Hey everyone, Justin here with HuntLink by ServiceSide. I am joined on the mic today by a fellow ServiceSide member, um, James Hudson out of Virginia. What's going on, James? How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, definitely appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we have an interesting topic today. Um, something I personally don't hear a ton about. So, um, you know, we were talking and... Uh, me and James were like, you know, we definitely need to get on. We need to we need to chat a little bit more about this. Um, but we're going to be covering some dog hunting. Um, we're going to kind of go over the heritage behind it, uh, what it's about. Um, you know, maybe any misconceptions or um, you know stigmas or relationships. We're going to kind of really deep dive in the to the whole realm of it. Um, but James. Kind of how we start these uh, episodes off, good little icebreaker, is uh, let's get the listeners to know a little bit more about you. How did you get started out into hunting? So I have been hunting since I was pretty much knee-high to a duck. Um, I grew up, I'm a third-generation houndsman, um, dog hunter. We, My family uh, has dog hunted for, we, we deer dog hunt, uh, and we've done that. Uh, my papa, uh, my grandpa, he, he'd done that as long as I'd known, known him, you know, as long as I was alive. So I don't know exactly when he started picking it up, but he was the first in my family to, to grab a hold of it and uh, it just kind of passed down. And uh, ever since birth, I've been, I've, I've known nothing but, but hunting and deer dog hunting. So I kind of was, was born into it and that's all I've ever known, you know. No, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my family, we had talked about this before, they ran dogs for a bear um, in Western Virginia. Um, so I'm also from Virginia, but I'm 5'4", Virginia, and uh, we uh, we would run them. Um, so I kind of got to see the culture behind it and understood and got to see and live that, that perspective of hunting at a young age. And, and also, I had a grandpa that only bow hunted with a recurve. Um, so, you know, I had the, the best of both worlds. So, um, you know, I know that my perspective, perspective was always different, but you know, that's something that I try to indulge myself in, um, to make my hunting experience better. I enjoy doing different types of hunting. Um, we actually do a good bit of, I personally don't, there is a lot of, um, hound, uh, dog hunters here. Um, in Florida, um, it's very common. We get bow season. Uh, dog hunters get rifle. Um, there's a few WMAs they can run. Uh, me and you were talking about that, how, you know, here they do it on public and you guys do it on private, <clears throat> which we can dive more into that when we talk about tactics and, and where you hunt. But um, let's talk a little bit about dog hunting. So how does it work? Like kind of what is, I guess, the tactic or uh, style to it? So the way I've always told everybody, it is, it's a teamwork makes a dream work kind of aspect. It's not like, um, it's not like your bow hunter or your, we call them still hunters. And, and that's just the, the term that we use for anybody that, um, that doesn't run dogs is we call still hunters. So if anybody hears me say still hunter, that's what I mean by that. I don't mean no harm by it, but that's, that's just a term I've grown up using. So it's the easiest thing for me to use, but um, it's not like a still hunter where you're out for your own self, um, or even, um, even if you are out for somebody, it's usually you, it's just a one-on-one -on -one deal. Um, but with dog hunting, it is a very big team aspect. Um, we're usually hunting our club. I'm the, I'm actually the secretary and treasurer of, uh, of our club. 
and we have right at 60 members in our club. And I'd say about 35 to 40 are very active dog hunters. Uh, the rest of them are still, uh, you know, turkey hunters, uh, bow hunters. Uh, some of them are just rabbit hunters, that kind of thing. But anyway, um, so usually on any given any given day, especially on your weekends, you could range from anywhere from 10 to 25 people, any 10 to 25 hunters. Uh, we all communicate through CB radios or uh, handheld uh, marine-style radios, whatever your club decides. We're still kind of old school. We're kind of stuck in our ways some, in, in some aspects. And uh, we, use, we use CB radios to, to communicate between each other. Um, and we, the club itself is leasing land from Weyerhaeuser or it may be called what it used to be called West Vaco. Some of the older, uh, the old name for it. Yeah, I, I think it's West changed Vaco. names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's changed names like six or seven times right, since West right, Vaco, yeah. but you know, it's, it's Weyerhaeuser now is what it's called. Um, so we lease uh, we got two plots that we lease from Weyerhaeuser. Um, we have a private lease through another guy uh, that has, I think if I remember right, it's like 1,400 acres or something like that, and we lease his land. And then the rest of it is usually just uh, verbal permission kind of style land and uh, family land. A lot of the guys in our club are just, it's big families, like, uh, you know, it's, there's, been hudson's in our club you know it's my last name and there's been hudson's and there's cheatham's down the road you know it's that kind of deal it's a lot of family oriented land that it's just like yep you know we're all we're all in this together go on go on in there do what you got to do you know we're, we'll work together and we're, we hunt it and as long as you are respectful of the land we'll keep on doing it um so that's kind of the land that we use but so on each of those plots of land it's not like i think a major misconception and you may be able to maybe it'll kind of to tell me if 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 there's ways that you know people that still hunt more than dog hunt uh kind of think of ways of things but uh, i think a big misconception is it's um everybody kind of sits in a line and just lets dogs run them run run the run the deer to them and it's not it's not exactly like that at all so what we do is all these plots of land, there's, there's all kinds of roads. I and mean, if you've better any been, if you've been to any kind of track of land, that's like a, a timber land there, you know, it's not just one road through the middle. There's all kinds of different roads, right. different pathways. Um, so us as a club, you know, this is before my time, but when the clubs were beginning and probably before hunting clubs were ever a thing back when guys just got together as a group of friends and stuff. And, uh, ran the ran the ran the dogs. They would come up with names for roads. Some of them were simple. It's you know first right hand road when you get there. Or some of them, I think one of the I'm a part of two clubs. And one of the one of the names of the roads is toilet seat. <laughs> there was an old random toilet seat sitting there, and that's just the name of the road that it was that it got when they when they were naming the roads. So you kind of use the name of the roads, and that's how you kind of let everybody know where you're at. Um, safety is a big part of the sport. Uh, obviously in hunting in general, safety is huge, but when you're working with 10 to 25 people at a time, 
driving around with guns, you know, safety is key. And that's everybody wants to get home. Everybody wants to kill a deer. Everybody wants to get home to their family. So that's huge. So these roads, the communication through CBs is the the biggest thing for us. It's it's huge on how how we make it work, how we stay safe, and how we know where everybody is at all times. Now, do you uh, guys like? Is it kind of like how deer drives are? Where do you have like designated shooters and designated pushers, or or, or whatever whatever you call it? Not not exactly. Um, so to to begin a drive, so all right, uh, I guess the best way to say it is an is an example. So I have my box loaded with my dogs. I'm ready to cast. I say, hey, I'm going over here to the first right hand road. I'm going to cast them and I'm going to walk them and hike them towards the uh, the cherry tree. I'm gonna send them that way. So when I say that, they the whole club knows the the direction that I'm casting the hounds and which way I'm going to try to get the dogs to go in and hunt up a deer. Okay. Um, and then with that, everybody kind of just picks their spot. You let it known on the radio. Hey, I'm going, I'm going to the straightaway. That's where I'm going to be. So everybody knows that guy has the straightaway covered. Then somebody else picks another spot. Somebody else picks another spot. Somebody else picks another spot. And we kind of surround the area in different ways. And that's kind of how we have it covered. Every, everybody kind of becomes a shooter is pretty much what it is. But that's what I, that's that's why that communication becomes so much in play and, and trusting and understanding who you're around and where you're at. So everyone's getting a chance, though, at the deer. Correct. Everyone, even the person, it doesn't matter what position or part of the team you're playing, everyone has almost the same, I guess, opportunity. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I've had yeah, several times where I've, yeah, yeah. See, I've had several times where I've casted the dogs and they've, the deer has ran to the next block and they got turned, they got spooked and turned and come right back to me and I shot it where I cast it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really any, any, anybody has the chance. It's, it's not like it's a, now some clubs may work different. I, I can't speak for all clubs but i know the way that we've worked and how i was raised up doing it and from from what i understand most everybody around here does that's kind of the that's kind of the name of the game it's a there's not really a defensive side there can be depending on where you're at but it's all it's all on the offense side okay that makes sense well i guess that's a great segue into um uh, a question that i was i was thinking of was as far as kind of taking a step back to like the heritage of it. So you had mentioned that it was things you guys were taught. So, you know, you being a third generation, it, do you feel like has dog hunting evolved or do you guys kind of just like, I guess more so like, I guess the best way to describe it would be um, like how the OGs and the, and the old heads taught you, do you guys evolve off of that or is that kind of the best way, you know, the best practices for it? So it is, I think you have to evolve. Nobody, nobody wants to evolve, you know, any, I don't care what kind of sport form of hunting, whatever you want to call, whatever you're doing. If there's a way that's been working, you don't want to evolve, but and we're, I know we'll kind of touch on this a little bit later too, but with the way 
land is laying and houses and people moving in, you have to evolve. You 110% have to evolve. Um, so I, to kind of keep on track with the heritage way, there was no GPSs back when my grandpa was doing it. There was even my dad. My dad still doesn't use GPS collars. He still do it by ear. You listen to them, you follow, and everybody communicates and knows where to go. Um, my papa was, <laughs> it was always a funny story. When in his older age, he was he was getting to where he really couldn't hear very well. I mean, you could, he would have, he's one of those old grandpas that sat on the couch and had the V the TV at max volume and everybody else was yelling, just trying to hold a conversation, but he had the TV as loud as he could get it just so he could hear it across the room. <laughs> but you put that man out in the woods. And if there's a dog barking, running 10 miles away, he's going to be able to hear it and tell you exactly where that dog is. I promise you, I promise you, <laughs> but and that, and that, that is being lost to the GPSs. Um, I'm not saying the GPSs are a bad thing. They are 110% a good thing. And I think they are a big key of keeping the sport around. Like I said, and again, I will touch on that later, but, um, a lot of guys that are getting into it or even guys that have been into it for a little while, they, they catch themselves relying on looking at the GPS and just being able to look at a map on, in their hand and telling you where the dogs are going, not sticking your head out the window or standing outside the truck and listening and actually being able to pinpoint where the dogs are and which direction they're going. Uh, luckily for me, I was raised up doing that and I can still beat the GPS signal by listening. I can tell you where those dogs are going, where you need to be and which direction they're going just by putting my ear out there and listening to them. Um, and that's a, that's an old school way of doing it. Um, so you, I mean, you all have to spend a good amount of time in the woods then to, to utilize that because if not, you could be sending a dog into a dangerous situation. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and, and not only that is, is learning the lay of the land. Um, you know, I've been listening to some of the previous, you know, some of the episodes, these podcast episodes, and it's, you know, I've, I don't still hunt. I, I don't do it. I don't have the patience for it. Um, I really don't. I cannot sit still. I don't, I don't think I have ADHD or nothing like that or whatever it is, but I cannot sit still. My, my grandpa was an avid turkey hunter, avid turkey hunter. He could sit still. He could sit in the blind for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he went with, I took, he took me one time, excuse me, he took me one time and it was about 20 minutes into the hunt. I got to just, I couldn't sit still. And he's like, I'll never take you again. You got to, <laughs> kind of to check out some, some Western hunting. That might be more your cup of tea. Yeah. They don't ever sit still. They're constantly moving and tracking and stalking. Right. Glass. Right. And going from one ridge to the next and. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are out there now and they just been walking prairies all day for antelope and then the antelope run off and then you got to walk up on them again. Then they run off again. <laughs> yeah. I'd be all about there. that. Um, I'd be all about it. I want to go hunt. I want to, I want to go hunt a ram. So I want to, I want to old mountain goat or something like that. I don't know why it's just one of those weird animals I've always wanted to go pursue. So I'm gonna have to, 
I'm going to have to dig into that, but I, I think that's kind of the same way, if I'm not mistaken. You know, we actually have a regional director. I think he's in, uh, I always forget this because I get the two states mixed up, so sorry, Tim. Uh, New Mexico. I always get New Mexico and Arizona mixed up. Um, you know, don't ask me why, but he's in New Mexico, <laughs> and they actually have tar. Um, there's some spot there that has tar. Um, so wow. You could probably you have to chat with him a little bit because... I think it's one of those things that's pretty exclusive. So if you're listening, you know, don't tell nobody. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Right, but, right. Uh, it, it is one of those things where I don't think it's really publicized. Um, so locals might get mad about it, but that's just how hunt links work. Um, you know, right. The more opportunity, the better. But um, no, I get that, man. Some people are like that. I I've hunted with plenty of people, and um, as I got to know them, I said we won't big game hunt together, uh, but we can go small game hunt together where you can walk around right. um, and do that. So I, I definitely get it. Um, yep. now there's probably a ton of care and maintenance that, that goes into this. How many dogs are you guys usually running at a time? So on, on any chase, it, and it depends, some clubs are different, um, to me it's a lot more organized it's a lot more safe to run smaller packs um we at, at our hunting club we normally run anywhere from say four to four to ten at the most four to ten dogs at a time um, you keep a smaller number it, it keeps it as one pack most of the time and it's a lot more organized it's a lot easier to keep up with it's not two different packs going two different direction and having a bunch of different names and a bunch of stuff getting caught out and going different ways. So we try to keep it in smaller packs. Now it doesn't necessarily work all the time, but, um, cause you know, lo and behold, you turn three dogs loose and one dog would get on one deer and two dogs get on another. But that's, 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 you know, that's beside the point, but no, the, you know, as far as the care and maintenance goes, you know, I personally, I have, we got 25 dogs in my lot right now. Yeah, we got twenty five now. Field trial too, and that's a whole another rabbit hole. We can we can go down a whole another time. But um, I have dogs that are de- designated for field trialing, which is fox and coyote uh, chases, um, and then I have another group that's designated for strictly my deer dogs and my outside hunts, um, outside hunting. <clears throat> but as far as deer dogs go, I have, gosh, I'd say. Let me see. I just had a litter of puppies, so it's so between me and my kennel partner. I think we're looking at right at thirteen or fourteen deer dogs. That's a lot. Thirteen of or fourteen, right there. Man, it's and, and and that's part of it. You know, it's this sport is not. How do I say this? Um, you know, a, a lot of people look at at hunting as a as a major expense, and I think. I think that's an image that, and this is one of the reasons that I'm here and doing this is I think that deer dog hunters get, have that, um, have that image of the old backwoods, rough, hard on the dogs kind of people. And it's really, it's really not like that. It's really not like that. These dogs are athletes. They are athletes. You can't send, like, I'm not going to go to the Olympics and try to run a, a, a marathon. I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm going to sit at home, eat my Debbie cakes and my Mountain Dew and drink a beer later and watch them do that. Do that. But right. Well, and two, the, also, you're not going to whip your 
you know, your athlete to a point where they're not going to perform. You know, we've seen, exactly. you know, like athletes in the, I just see, recently seen something on Instagram where somebody was trying to cut some weight for a fight and they did that incubator thing and then they wrapped you in pretty much aluminum foil. So you're cooking your insides and all, you're losing like two ounces of weight and you're literally right. like destroying your body. And then how do you think you're going to perform when you're out there, when you've just like annihilated yourself, you know, exactly chicken over here. Right. Right. Um, so to put it in perspective, on any given run, I mean, we're talking a lot of miles, a lot of miles. I mean, I've had these hunting dogs stretch a deer for 15 miles, 20 miles in a run, whether it be a loop or if it goes in a straight line, whatever it is. But, I mean, I, the GPS keeps track of of that data it's it's really neat it actually keeps a, a track of your average speed for your dog and in your in your distance so these dogs are running anywhere from on the outside they're normally running anywhere from seven to ten miles an hour on average for about a 15 to 20 mile stretch so i mean if that if you think about it that way you have to keep those hounds in in prime prime shape so a, are you like you just constantly getting them out there even if season's not in yeah oh yeah absolutely you have to you have to now see it's 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 kind of funky here in virginia um i don't know what other states laws and stuff like that are see virginia you're not allowed to run deer on the off season but you're allowed to run fox and coyote Okay. Okay. There. I mean, that's a. I feel like that's a solid compromise. You still get to work right. with dogs and put in a different aspect. Yes. Yeah. So it makes it a little difficult when it comes to season when you're trying to switch them back over and make them understand. Okay. Hey, look, it's time to run deer. But to keep them in shape, you do what you have to do. Um, I'm normally trying to run by at least two or three times a month. I know it doesn't really sound like a whole lot, but I don't want to get two years out of these dogs and then be done. So if I can keep them on just a regular maintenance, I, I have really, really big lots too. Um, I'm not a fan of small lots for the sheer fact of they are, like I said, they are athletes. You don't take an athlete and keep them in a 10 by 10 and expect them to go out there instantly and, and, and perform at peak. Right. So my lots are, I, I have, uh, I go by the rolls of fencing from tractor supply or whatever, whenever I need to build a lot, build a lot. And my, my lots are usually uh, about a 250 foot roll of wire in a big loop. I mean, you could do the math. I don't know what the math is on it, but it's, I would say it's probably like a, uh, probably like a 30 by 40, usually, uh, you know, linked fence. It's, I mean, it's a, if not bigger, um, that they, that they stay in and that's where I keep them. And it, so they are constantly, and I keep stuff in there like barrels and, um, and, uh, platforms that they can jump on. And it's, they're constantly, if they're playing, they're getting constant exercise in the pen and in their lots. Um, as well as when I get to go out there and actually work with them and train them on the outside and get them running, they're getting that exercise too. So keeping it at that two to three, you know, 
two, three, maybe four times if I'm lucky, times a month, get out there and work them and, and let them exercise and really stretch your legs. Um, it really helps the longevity of their life. It keeps them in shape. There's no point of burning them down and really, really, really pushing them throughout the summer and the hot months when you can just kind of coast and maintain and then get them right, right before season comes in. Now, and to, as far as, as nutrition goes, what are you typically feeding your dog? So I feed a 24, 20 mix if I'm running hard, it's a 24% protein and a 20% fat. It gives them enough fat to burn off and, and, and convert. And it keeps the protein to help build muscles and it keeps them from getting skinny. Um, and a big thing that I do want to put out there for everybody listening, um, especially if somebody has had a bad encounter or maybe seen dogs, um, that don't look healthy when they show up. I'm very, prideful of my dog's health but the gps collars are not foolproof they do die in the middle of of of, of runs sometimes the if it, if a collar gets if a collar gets a crack in it and it messes up the circuit board inside it you lose signal so if that happens or and, and the dog quits sometimes those dogs do get lost out there we don't ever stop looking so don't get that confused, but they do get lost and they may be out for a day or so. But, and some of these dogs don't know how to quit. So these dogs are out there running, exercising. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're just, they have so much heart. These hounds have so much heart. It's such a beautiful thing. They have so much heart and all they want to do is chase and run and pursue game. And a lot of times you will see the back two or three, maybe, you know, back two or three ribs start to show in a dog that has been out that long. That is not a sign of neglect. It is the way these hounds are, are built and performed and, and the, their body structure. That is a normal sign of a dog that's been out for a while and just been exercising. And I promise you that the moment they're getting home, they're getting fed very, very well and um uh, and taken care of with any kind of thing that they need so nice. well, um, thanks for clarifying that because you know i i have heard that before um you know with things and you know i you know it's it's one of those things where you know i don't speak on things i don't know about because at the end of the day like there's so many different perspectives and like you said it's it's the it's the performance of of uh the animal um in that moment now obviously you know if it if it was to look like that in other situations, you know, then you could go into you know take that into account and kind of you know assess it from there. But um, you know, at least a lot of the dog hunters I've always talked to were very prideful of of their animals. They were like, you know, hey, look at it like this. You know, if you know, and this isn't saying this in a negative way, but like if I don't take care of them, like what am I even doing out here? I'm literally right pissing away thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, uh, running the risk of, of hurting something or hurting myself or, Correct. you know, maybe someone twists an ankle or, you know, it's just so many different factors when it comes to being out and, and you know, why am I putting myself all through this to, to not take care of something, you know, the better I take care of it, the better it'll perform for me. Um, and then you're able to do what you love, which is running the dogs and, and then also hopefully getting a deer, or, you know, doing right. some predator control. Right, right. I mean, and that's and that's exactly. I'm, I'm, 
that's a hundred percent accurate too. And it, it really is. I mean, you can't keep these dogs overweight. You know, a lot of people think that a dog that's not showing that maybe a back rib or, or is, has got a little belly hang and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's an overweight dog. You don't take somebody out there with a dad bod and try to make them, you know, perform at their best ability. So you don't take a dog out there with a dad bod and make them perform to their best ability. Um, it's a, it's a science, it really, it's a science behind it. it. It really is. I mean, we're spending, I got it wrote down. We're spending anywhere from on our dogs, you know, we got a lot of dogs, but I'm spending anywhere from 75 to a hundred dollars a week in dog food. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a car payment a month on just dog food to make sure that these dogs are tuned in their, their performance is ready and they can perform to the best of their ability to be able to go out there and enjoy what they do. And if, and another misconception is that uh, maybe is that a lot of people think that we force these dogs to do it. I beg of you, and I'm going to try to capture it when season starts coming around. I have every intention on maybe trying to start a YouTube channel for this kind of stuff, but I wish more people could see how excited the dogs are when I back my truck up and drop the tailgate to get ready to load them. They're, they're, oh man, it's, they're just jumping at the gate. They're ready to go. They're, they're, they're pushing at the door to try to get in that dog box because they know they're getting ready to go hunt. They know they're getting ready to go pursue and do what they are bred to do. It's, it's such a beautiful sight. It really is. I've, I've taken people before that had no idea and before we even got to the chase they're like man i'm hooked i'm hooked i saw the excitement in those dogs and i am hooked like how do i get into this sport like how do i get into it like let teach me more (laughs) you know that kind of thing so it, it it going is such a huge going with somebody is such a huge thing and and i think if more people could see it and see the good side of this sport then I think it would become more accepted. Oh, for sure. You know, that's, you know, I, I never really had a negative misconception personally, just because I did also, you know, there's, there's bad apples with anything. Um, you know, I know bow hunting is really popular, you know, amongst a lot of our listeners. Well, there's people that have no business shooting a bow at an animal. Mm -hmm. And I'm just being honest. I'm not judging, but there's some people that have no business shooting a bow at an animal until, they get to a point where they're, you know, able to successfully take that animal. I mean, we see it every year. So many deer are, um, you know, wounded. And and obviously things can happen. Deer can, you know, I've had deer flex up or, or duck or step back and, and or step forward. And, and obviously that's stuff that that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to things that are in your control, um, which is practicing your bow, uh, getting more efficient with your equipment, um, knowing what you can and cannot do. So your limitations. Um, and there are some people that don't, don't, you know, I feel like they, they definitely, um, but you don't hear a lot of that talk, and, that, and that's kind of my point with it. Is you don't hear a lot of that, but you you do hear a lot about it, about dog hunting. Um, I grew up in a in a very prideful family that they loved their dogs, they took care of their dogs, they worked their dogs. You know, they were you know obviously disciplined and and, ta- and 
fed and all that stuff, but, you know, they were exercised and, and, you know, I always grew up with, you know, my grandma and, and, and all the, most of the women in the family would always joke and say, you know, they love the dogs more than us. Um, you know, I, I would always hear that growing up. Uh, they're out there with those dogs more than us. They spend more time with those dogs than they do their family. And you would always hear that. So I got to see the love for, for dogs. Um, you know, we had a lot of dogs at home. Um, you know, it was always my family. My, my cousins had rabbit dogs. Um, you know, we had waterfowl hunters in the family. So there was always someone working. There was always a working houndsman. Um, so I got to experience that. But a lot of people don't. Uh, when I moved to Florida, mm-hmm. I got to see, and that's, kind of uh, the second point which I was going to bring up here was um, I got to see that culture and that community and that camaraderie um, and that's what hunting is about Um, and also it's a long-standing tradition I just feel like it you know maybe a bad egg maybe somebody might experience something or you know not even just misinformation maybe they just experienced something it wasn't but that can't speak for everyone because we could say that with bow hunting well you know, if, if you take a bad shot because you didn't practice all summer and pulled your bow out of the case and then <coughs> went to take an animal's life, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, you went to take an animal's life and, and you feel, you know, you really didn't do everything you could to do that. To me, that's kind of disrespect to the animal. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, that was a huge reason why we wanted to bring you on here was to kind of clear up a few misconceptions and and let everyone know that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than, than maybe what you see or, or what you've heard. And at the end of the day, yeah. um, there's no amount, there's no like limit to numbers of hunting hunters uniting together. At the end of the day, we all need to support each other. And as long as you're being legal and ethical, um, everyone should respect each other's time. Because I mean, kind of, you guys are kind of going through it right now. I mean, dog hunting is, is really getting it not just through social media and stuff or, or what misconceptions, but legislatively, I mean, they're, they're really revoking rights from, from what I've heard. Yeah. They're so in Virginia right now, they're actually doing what they're calling a hound study. They did one back in, I think 2015 and it didn't really come up. Nothing really come of it. Um, and I, I'm hearing a lot of good things about the, what has been, brought to the table and brought to the board of directors and stuff between the game and inland fishery and, and, and whoever else it's going to above that. Um, I'm hearing a lot of good things, but, um, but yeah, this dog hunting itself is, is, is under attack. I mean, it's under attack every year. Um, and it's not necessarily from other hunters, you know, there is, there, there is, um, and we can kind of dabble into that too, but there is a lot of, um, not a lot. There is a little bit of um, negative energy between dog hunters and still hunters. Um, but our our biggest um, worry right now is landowners, big time landowners. I'm talking you guys that are coming down from New Jersey, New York. Um, and I mean, by no means am I trying to talk any kind of crap about those states, but it just seems like where a majority of our issues are coming from is guys that are moving down from those kind of states that have no idea what hound hunting is about and expecting things to change. Um, and I actually had a stat wrote down, you know, we kind of talked about the heritage a little bit, but this is just an interesting stat. Um, there's only nine states left in the United States that allow dog hunting, deer hunting with dogs. Now there's only nine states. Um, 
1876, Wisconsin was the first to ban deer hunting with dogs. And by 1920, everything except for the states below the Mason-Dixon line had banned it altogether. Why do you feel that I don't, is? Like, what, what, are you, what are you guys hearing in the circle? So, a, a lot of issues, and, and I understand, and I think that's somewhere that that old you know we kind of touched on the old school mentality and the the um the doing it like they always did kind of thing and and everybody knows these old heads and everybody that's you know 70 plus that has a lot of control over things and don't want to let control of things go they're not adapting with the times so as much control as we want to have uh, with these dogs there is when they're out and they're running and they're pursuing game, those dogs are going to pursue that game wherever it wants to go. I don't care. They, they, they dog, deer and dogs cannot read posted signs. Right. And that is a huge thing that fights against us. Some of these guys that move down, they don't understand that I this is just how that. we do it down here. I could see that. See, I, we only mess with it on public. So I could right. see that being, uh, you know, especially with big leases and things like that, I could see eventually, you know, if the deer takes a, a turn and cuts across to get over to a neighboring property, especially with so much developing. You know, my wife is a is a developer, so I get, you know, a little bit of the inside knowledge on that. And developing, man, is on a upward trend, and it is not slowing down anytime soon. Right, um, the market, right. You know, we, we won't get into all that uh, uh, market statistics and stuff, but it doesn't <laughs> right. look like it's going to stop anytime soon. It no. doesn't look like it's going to bust or blow up or any of that stuff. It looks like it's just going to continue its upward trend. Um, but, um, that you know, no. that's definitely n- neither here nor there, but well, on that note, the, the the size, the amount of land that our club, from the time that I was able to understand and really kind of start, so five or six, so you're looking at 25 years ago now, in a 25-year span, our club has been reduced in size as far as land access, probably to a quarter of the size that we used to have, and that's just from old farm guys dying and their kids getting the property and they see the money in selling it and developing it. So they sell it, develop it. Now we don't have access or maybe there was a spot, you know, five miles down the road that we could hunt and all everything in between it was okay. But now this person has moved and this person moved land. Now this guy doesn't want dogs on his land. Okay. Now we have to respect that. So we can't cast over here and expect it to be okay to run dogs through their land. So that that plot that we had access to that's five miles away on the other side of these people's property, there's no point being there no more. There's no point. So maybe it was like a 400-acre plot, and it was a good access point while we could run through there and do it and not um, – I don't know the word to use here, but not uh, make dog hunting look bad and running through these properties, you know, back when it was okay, but now that it's, these people don't want it, you can't go against that. You can't purposefully cast dogs on the edge of a property and say, okay, go through it. We'll catch you on the other side. That's not, that's not how it is. That's not how we need it to be. Um, I mean, you know, I, you kind of touched, you know, I, I get it. I, I do understand on both sides of it. Cause I know, like, for example, I look at it more from a, I guess a danger perspective, like, 
What if somebody buys, like a developer buys that, and then they like dig a trench in it, you know, and the dogs run into it? I know that's like probably like, uh, you know, crazy out there, but I always looked into it as like, I know people that have done construction or, you know, maybe they're trappers and they've got mad traps on their mm-hmm. properties. I always thought of that aspect of it, but then I also look at it as like, Two, I feel like there should be a mutual relationship. Have you got? What do you guys kind of thought as far as like? Because I mean, you're in a club. Do you have you guys kind of thought of any strategies to kind of combat that? Like maybe like some community like events or like anything like so, that. Kind of rebuild that we, relationship. So we used to. We used to before I took over where I was at. Before some of our older the the previous president vice president all that kind of stuff i mean it these clubs are an organization it is a by the books we have two meetings a year kind of thing president vice president secretary treasurer bank accounts all that kind of stuff so the older generation you know they 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 didn't pay attention they they had their things that they had so we used to have three or four roads that we it was a virginia has an adopt a highway system is what they call it so our hunting club adopted a highway so it was our responsibility and we would do it twice a year we do a spring and a fall cleanup of the roads that was our way of giving back to the community and doing that we've kind of let we've let those lapse but um what we're going to do uh we talked about doing it next year is a lot of the landowners we talk about uh, doing a big cookout over at the hunting cabin, you know, just inviting them, come over, let's educate you. Let's talk to you. Let's, let's find a common ground. Let's just explain, Hey, we're not here to, we're not here to ruin your land. We're not here to, um, try to mess up, you know, mess up your steel hunt. You know, maybe the guy was in there still hunting and and we don't want that. That's not what we want. That's not what we're, it's not what we're for. We're not casting dogs beside your property and running through them. You know, if we're trying to find, different ways you know some people are set in in stone as far as landowners go and they don't want to hear nothing about it but if you can take those guys and just talk to them for a a little bit of time a lot of times you can find a common ground and an understanding of okay these guys have been doing this for hundreds of years hundreds of years i know uh george washington had deer dogs foxhound and deer dogs I mean, there's their stats online. You can find it says they date deer dog hunting back to the 1600s. So you want to talk about actual like heritage wise, that's how far you can date it back. There's actually documented. I don't know what kind of documents they had back in the 1600s, but there is proof that deer dog hunting was existing back then. So I think once we talk to these landowners and get their understanding, that's, that's just a, a way that we're trying to combat what we do. Um, and and we have issues, you know. I, I I'm not gonna say I'm the best talker with people, but I I'm, I don't get hot headed very quick. Um, we had an incident, I think it was three years ago, where it was during season. Our dogs made a wrong turn. A guy was still hunting, and he caught and it come through, messed up. It said it messed up his hunt. That's a whole that's a whole rabbit hole we can go down, <laughs> but it said it messed up his hunt dogs came through and i get that's aggravated i get that stressful i understand that you're sitting in your tree stand maybe you had one coming in and come a pack of dogs that just ruined that deer coming in. and 
we don't want that. We don't want that any more than you do. And we do everything in our power to try to stop it. But sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Um, so this guy ended up catching one of the dogs and calling the owner of the dog and was threatening the owner, threatening the life of the dog. It wasn't a very cool situation. It was very, um, very tense, fiery, very high strung. Uh, I went over there and talked to the guy and gave him an understanding. Like, look, I'm very, very sorry. I apologize to him. And I ended up, you know, long story short, I ended up taking that guy with me a couple of weeks later and he actually enjoyed his day out. Well, it was, that's, it's, that's, you know, what, and, that, and that's what you sh- people should do. It, it's, you can't get hot headed in it because I can see, I can see that part of it. I could see if I was hunting, like you have to look at it from both perspectives, but at the end of the day, like, we're all just trying to do the same thing. And, you know, as long as you're mm-hmm. not, I feel like being a dick about it and you're just like, look, man, I know I messed up. It was an accident. It's a, it's an animal. Um, you know, I'll try to do things in the future to maybe combat that if possible, but you know, let me make it up to you. Let me take you hunting or can I, can I take you to dinner? Can I, you know, do you drink, right. you know, maybe I can bring you right. something to drink next time. Um, you know, do you now, would that fall under hunter harassment if that did go south? Um, I don't know the dog going where it wasn't really supposed to. So Virginia is one of the only two states that still have what we call a right to retrieve law. So right to retrieve is if a dog gets stuck on your property, we have the right to retrieve to retrieve that dog. Now, do you no matter have what to like, like, I mean, you just walk right on the property or do you have to go down first? <laughs> there's it, it, it's funky guidelines to it and I, I need i really need to re reread up on it and make sure things haven't changed but you're supposed to from from my understanding and the way i remember it and always been taught you go up you knock on the door hey my dog's on your property he's stuck in here maybe it's an electric fence maybe it's it's something maybe he just got lost and he quit and this is where he ended up huh. you know i would like to be able to have your permission to go get this dog Nine times, probably 98.9% of the time, the landowner is going to say, yeah, I'll drive you back there. Yeah, take your truck. Just stay on the path. Yeah, that's fine. Walk back there. No guns. That That's fine. Most people are very considerate. They're very understanding. But you have that 1.1% of the time where you get that tail hole. And thankfully, Virginia still protects us. And you can say, okay. I'm sorry that you are denying me access, but by law, I have my right to go get my dog because technically dogs are property. And I, I bet you that could get stressed. See me it, in that it, situation. I'm just going to call the game where be like, can you just meet me here and help me do this? Cause right. And a lot of times that's we, what we do. And, and most of the time, almost every time that's what we do. It, it's, it's, it's pretty ballsy to just walk up on somebody's land and, and just go get your dog. Well, so I'd a lot of times too, too, because of, you know, I know this may be just the track I'm going down, um, but, you know, I know recently Virginia just legalized recreational marijuana so people can grow it. So I do mm-hmm. know in Virginia it's become very big, um, you know, with people starting grows and things. So, you know, we Correct. all know that sometimes, you know, things can get uh stress you know a, a, a maybe a situation that you don't want to be in when it comes to things like that and i know that's just one of a billion examples that someone can have maybe someone's doing something they shouldn't be doing 
right. uh, on their property. I've always worried about that, you know, a meth lab or something, you know. Right. You know, and, <laughs> right. And, and you're on there, and you might have Mr. Crazy Loon over here that's got uh -huh. know, bombs, you know, claymores and stuff in his yard or you know, I understand well, we actually back in the mountains, man, and they oh, absolutely, and, and bear snare uh, traps and see, it, it's funny. It, we had I've had one time where I've had to say, look, we have right to retrieve. I will call the game warden, and this dog will be caught. When I brought that up, the guy was like, no, 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 there's no need to call the game warden. He said, just ride with me. And we'll go back there and get them. I'm like, okay, you changed your habit. You know, you changed your tone really fast. <laughs> and when we got back there, I saw his feeder. See, in Virginia, it's illegal to feed, you know, use feeders to hunt deer during season. I saw his feeder down there. I said, uh-huh, that's why you didn't want Mr. Uh, Mr. Game Warden come back here. <laughs> and now we got you. Now we understand. Yeah, now we, now we got a little uh, uh, blackmail. <laughs> uh-huh, yep. But, yep. No, and every... I, I definitely do see both sides of it. And I, I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, are we really going to pick a side? Like, just mutually agree. If you really get to the point where you're like, I don't want you on my property for whatever reason, uh, legal or not legal, whatever. Let can, right. now. Have you guys ever had someone where they're like, "Can I go get the dog?" Um, or are they just a lot like, of people just do it yourself. They, they just uh, well, uh, if they are to the point where they don't want you on the property, they'll go get it. Now we have had that, and they'll take a leash and bring it up and tie it up. I mean, I've had count. I've had I've had calls before. I'm not going to countless calls, but I've had calls before where somebody calls me like, "Hey." Your dog was on my property. I didn't want him here. I took, he's on a rope. I tied him at the tree at the mailbox. He's tied right there. Come get him. Cool. And All okay, right. that's it. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's perfectly fine. And, um, and, and even, you know, and I had the conversation a couple of years ago when we messed up his hunt. He, look, the deer I was calling in, you ran, you, they jumped, they, they got the deer and it ran through and they, they ended up running the deer through. And I said, well, why didn't you shoot it? He said, well, y'all don't like us shooting deer in front of your dogs. I said, absolutely not. I mean, no, no, no I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I phrased that wrong. I said, we absolutely do. The whole point of these dogs running is to, is, is to pursue game and somebody get the kill. I don't care if, if, if my dog, if you're back there in your tree stand and you're having a slow day and my dogs bring uh a deer from from our neck of the woods and they run in front of you and you want to shoot it absolutely shoot it call me and i will help you drag that deer back to your that back to your truck nice you know I, i've met some people that dog hunt ran into them actually when i was scouting um they were scouting started talking to them they're real nice we started chatting i told them i was like look man if i see deer when i'm walking scouting turkey i'm a big turkey hunter so if i'm scouting for turkeys all that stuff Unless it's something crazy, because we can't shoot does here unless you have a doe tag, which is really hard to get. Um, so typically you can only shoot bucks, three on one side. So most of the time I'm not shooting a, a Florida buck unless it's it's a good one. Um, just because right. I, I am blessed enough to have privileges to go to other states, um, you know, I just kind of leave the Florida ones alone unless it's something that tickles my fancy, really. Black antlers, you know, maybe a, a, a right. rack, something like that. Um, so I tell him, I told my buddy Steven, I was like, look, man, I will, uh, I'll tell you when I see deer, I'll send you the pin. Um, uh, but if you tell me when you jump up turkeys or, um, ducks, I was like, anytime mm -hmm. you're near the river, any birds you jump up, just mark it. I just need you to mark right. if they're, if they fly away and they're ducks or they're turkeys and they take off. 
Um, and I was like, I'll be more than happy to be honest with you and share when I see deer or I find fresh deer sign. Um, and we've been doing that for about two years now. He let me know when he jumps up ducks. It's not often that they jump up ducks. Um, right. Sometimes I'll get in those back swamps, and if the water's up a little bit and the dogs will have to tread through some water, um, they'll bust up some back holes, and, and he'll let me know. And then obviously I let him know when I see fresh shine, and that's just a mutual relationship we've always had with each other. Right. Right. And, you know, and I, I tell people all the time because I, I, I've always hunted, like I said, I've always hunted game in pursuit. So a lot of people tell me that still hunt, they're like, I don't like the taste of it. It gives it too much gamey taste. There's too much adrenaline in it. I don't know the difference. So I can't, I can't speak on that. Um, but a lot of guys that are like, you know, a lot of guys that when I tell the still hunters, like, hey, don't, you know, if you want to shoot it, shoot it. And they're like, I don't like the taste. I'm like, well, I will take it to the, the hunters for the hungry or, you know, we have uh, people around here. We have other landowners that enjoy the meat. And I'm like, if you don't want the meat and you just want the rack or if you just want the head or whatever the purpose behind it is and you just want to kill it, get it off your land, that's fine. I was like, and if you don't want the meat, I will be happy to take it and donate it to somebody or keep it for myself. Whatever you want to do, we can make a mutual agreement on where that meat goes to and we'll make the best of the situation that we can. Yeah. For sure. You know, it, it, you know, backtracking to when we talked about like strengthening relationships, you know, that's definitely something that I would I would steer your club to. Um, you know, I know down here they do a cleanup at a WMA. It's called Richland. Um, they do a cleanup every summer. And man, I hate to say it, it. It's almost disgusting. It makes me it makes me sad for humanity when I see it. But mm -hmm. people just illegally dump there. Just, yep. it's a mess. Anyone that has experienced yep. that, I mean, you guys know in Virginia, I remember going back in the mountains and you'd see a mountain ridge and there'd be like refrigerators. And oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. Trash. And I'm sitting there like, you know, the, just, you know, people just back then, they weren't educated with stuff. Maybe they were just raised the wrong way. I don't know. Whatever. That's not important, but they just, it's disgusting and it's sad. I mm -hmm. take people hunting in a WMA as soon as I drive by a trash pile, um, I'm always like, if it's a big pile, I'm like, Hey, we do a cleanup here every year. And I always come and guess who puts it on the dog hunters and guess why they mm -hmm. do it because of the relationship. They know that there's a divide between the yep. still hunters and themselves. And it's a great one, man. They got, they got gifts for kids. Like, you know, stuff that's not crazy. They're not breaking the bank here. They're, they're fishing poles for kids. Um, most of the stuff gets donated. Um, I right. even told him, I was like, dude, I'd love to bring some shirts or hats or bracelets or koozies or something for next year. Maybe, maybe we can give out some memberships or something. Um, you know, but the dog hunters put it on, they fill up two truck and trailers every year. It's a time people get out there. They get to ride their side by sides cause you get a day pass. So as long as you're legal, um, with, with the law and, and, and your vehicle and stuff, you can have whatever you want out there, motorcycles, dirt bikes, whatever. Um, people right. clean up trash. Um, then they have this huge cookout after we all chat. Um, when I seen that, I was like, wow, Pete, you know, you've got your clicks and stuff, but everyone's coming together and they're cleaning up trash. Um, they're getting a little scouting in, you know, that's what I do. I'm cleaning up trash. I'm right. scouting in. <laughs> um, you know, I feel good about what I'm doing. You can't pick up trash out in the wilderness and like not feel good about it. Like I, I right. love to do it. Um, whenever I take someone on a hunt link, I, I was mentioning, I, I feel embarrassed and I always let them know that we do the cleanup, but we always keep trash bags in the back of my truck. Um, I always go to the Dollar yep. General every every season, throw a couple rolls in the back, 
Um, when I get to spots where I park, we'll do a quick cleanup before we leave and stuff. Obviously, I can't be carrying couches and, and refrigerators and stuff. Right, out, so I right, save that right. for the big cleanup day. But um, that kind of stuff, man, really strengthens the bond with the community. And yep. look at it like this. It's like door knocking. You only need one person to say yeah. Because then they right. share it like me. I wasn't never for or against. You know, I've always been neutral ground of like, you know, as long as they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, you know, if you don't like it, write your legislator, um, you know, and, and right. they can decide what, what to do with it. But strengthening those bonds of the community and letting them know, like, hey, we're not just, like, dirty hillbillies that, like, don't feed our dogs and, and beat them. And, right. And, and, you know, right. these are athletes. You know, maybe you bring some dogs one day <laughs> and people yep. get to see yep. them. Um, or right. showcase videos or whatever, do yeah. things like this. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's 100% accurate. And it's it, it, it's something as a whole, and you, know, you, you mentioned it earlier too, talking about the bad apples. There, there's, we need to find a way to get the bad apples out. Yeah. Sure. If we can, if we can, and I have thoughts and ideas and in different ways, and that's a whole rabbit hole I could go down, but there is so many ways that fresh minds in this could really make a difference. The hardest part about it is there's so much working against the younger working class. And what I mean by that is for one, you have your older heads that are in charge of organizations like the uh, Virginia hunting dog Alliance. It's a big one and they're great. They do so much. They're, they're really, really, I'm not taking anything away from them, but they are very stuck in their ways. They're not ready to everything that I've seen. And I'm not saying necessarily all them, but a lot of your, your older generation is still stuck in this way that, they don't want to, I've heard so many of that generation say, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. If you give an inch, they're going to take them out. That's what I always hear. And that's such a, that's such a flawed thought process. Yeah, it definitely is. Because it is, and it doesn't allow for any bending. It doesn't allow for any, okay, maybe not give up something, but okay, let's, let's see where we can fix this to make this situation better. It's not a lot of guys don't want to do that. They're like, no, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. This is how it needs to be. This is how we want it to be. And that just, it does not work. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked that question in the beginning of like, do you guys kind of stick with the old ways or do you evolve? Well, when I asked that in the beginning, because, you know, that was always a misconception that I had heard was, you know, it's, it's a, it's a one track thing. This is, this is how you do it. Follow these steps. Um, and there's just so much more to it, but I know they're not bureaucrats, but I know a bureaucrat's favorite thing to say is no, because with no, there's no consequences, there's no uh, repercussions, and it's just not a good right. way to, to you know, you got to try things. Um, that doesn't say just go try everything, you know, do your data, do your research, you know, do your, right. you know, everything you need to do um, to come up with the best solution, but... What worked? Hunt? I mean, dude. I mean, do we really need to get into it? Look what, look what we've done hundreds of years ago. There's a lot of bad, right? A lot of good, right? Ton of good, but a lot yeah. of bad too. Does, right? Are we gonna right. sit there and say, well, no, that's that's how they did it. So, yeah, that's the way it yeah. is. You know, it's not. It's not like that. And, and I know, as far as in see being leader of of our club, it really kind of helps help me see 
the 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 struggles of keeping a club alive and, and what it takes as far as dog hunting club and i had uh, i had the the unfortunate deal a couple years ago where we had a, a group of members that had come in they hunted with us for about two or three years the first one for your first year or two they did very very well and then all of a sudden one year they, their attitude changed and um they started doing a lot of things that we don't approve of as far as just just thinking they can go wherever they want, do whatever they want to do kind of thing and not hunting with the etiquette and their responsibility that we as a club have pursued to give a good image of for, for ourselves. And they were buddies of mine. They still are. And I still talk to them this day and we've, we've buried the hatchet, but I had to be the one to speak up and say, if we don't get these guys out of this club, we're going to lose everything. And as a club, we voted them out. That's where clubs, and I hope any anybody that is listening, that's where deer hunting clubs need to really step their game up. If there are people causing issues, you need to get them gone. There needs to be a system in play where we can flag said people that are kicked out and needs to have a reason why they were kicked out and if you're going to look into voting new members in, there needs a system where you can look and see if these people's names have been flagged and if you should let them in or not. Yeah, man, we I have mean, to get with. I mean, no, we I, have to get with it. the times. Yeah, you do, and and I get that because you know at the end of the day, man, like we can't, you can't let someone ruin it for everyone. And I get being inclusive, and I, you know, that's literally what we're about. And it sounds like what what your club's about too is. We want the more the better. You know, we want to unite hunters. We want every type of hunter, even the bad eggs. We want the bad eggs because we want to show them the right way. And uh, right way is not the word. We want to show them the most uh, legal and ethical way of what's happening mm-hmm. at that time and try to share that tradition and pass it on through generations the right way um, and continue to evolve with hunting because at the end of the day, man, we got a lot more enemies than ourselves, so we need to get it together. Mm-hmm. And if people correct, if people aren't following suit, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm the same way. That's how we are at Service Side. Um, you know, luckily the owner has the same um, you know uh, perspective on it that I do. You know, we don't have a problem with it. But if we ever did. Um, you know, we let people know like, Hey, you know, this, maybe this isn't the club for you because we hold our people to a higher standard. I always tell Mm -hmm. uh, any of the partners we talk to, like we are a higher quality hunter. Um, yes, we have everyone. We have the guy that just started yesterday hunting. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. he's a high quality hunter. Um, you know, we want high quality hunters because you're the image, um, especially with social media and stuff nowadays. That, right. If you wanted to play and, and do all that junk, that was those times are past. Though you missed. Yeah. Um, you yep. you got to lock it up. You got to you know because we've got everyone wants to ban hunting, um, and if it ain't hunting, they're trying to take away firearms, whatever. You're always gonna have to yep. have this struggle, um, in this in this battle of good and evil. And if you don't if you don't lock them up and police your people. Um, for one, yep. they're going to make you bad, and uh, they're going to make you look bad, and then they're going to take away your right. So, it, you know, right. they will be to blame when there are their people that aren't taking care of their dogs or, you know, they are constantly not policing them and, and, and just doing things the right way, you know? I've, I've always related it to as far as the bad apples making things look bad for the whole thing. It's like going back to grade school. It seems like you could get – 
a 99, a hundred, a hundred, you know, a 95 on, on 15, 20 of assignments, but a, uh, a 60 on one assignment would bring your grade down to an 80, right. your overall grade down to an 80. You know, it's the same way with bad apples. You could have 99 out of 100 good dog hunters that abide by every rule or ethical or just everything you could dream of as a good dog hunter. And one bad apple come in there and it makes the entire hunter look bad. One bad apple can ruin a bushel in a second. It's 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 terrible, and it's it, we just we. I, I think there are ways, and I guess that's where I was kind of leading to with the with the whole old school mentality. Is these guys don't know technology. There are ways that we can make systems and flag people and have a a system of that that all hunting clubs have to be a part of to be able to run dogs and legally hunt. There's, there's, there are ways that you can do it and you can keep track of all members involved. And once we start weeding these bad guys out, I think we can make dog hunting survive, but without making strides, it's like you talked about social media is going to be the death of hunting in general. Too many, too many people on there just think they can go and post any kind of book picture or video. It's the same way with, with dog hunting. It's, any kind of picture or video they think they, they think is cool and they want to get a hundred likes on it, they're going to post it and don't know that the news station is right down the road ready to put it all over and, you know, and ruin dog hunting for click, us. Clickbait. And you know what? That's exactly why we don't have bear hunting in Florida. That is literally mm-hmm. something got taken out of context. It didn't look good. It made hunters look like crap. And it did. As a hunter, I was embarrassed. And here we are. We can't hunt bears. You know, yep. who knows when we'll ever be hunted. I think I, I read the plan a long time ago. It's been a while, but I think it's like a 30-year plan or something. I've been right. lucky to hunt them in my lifetime again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's ridiculous. And it really yep. just boiled down to bad presentation. We can get into all the, you know, there's probably people listening like, oh, no, no, I've, I know enough people on the inside that I've chatted with, and, and there can be a lot of reasons of what people have been told or what's been put out there. But things got painted in a bad light, and they didn't want to deal with it. They're like, we're not dealing with that, you know? This, right. You know, California runs. We got a bunch of members in California, and they hunt like crazy, man. They're in North California, and they're like, you know what? They're like, it's crazy. And they're like, you, anything that gets taken out of context, their their rules are, it's, it's to the point where I'm pretty sure I can't even take firearms over there from another state. Like I think, I think that, that's right. I think I have to use theirs, and, and don't quote me on that. But even if it's not that exact rule, it's something very similar where you can't right. bring something in their state to hunt something. So you have to either yep. purchase it there, or get with a guide, or use someone else's. Like that's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's yeah. I just well, maybe they will <laughs> come up with it. I mean, just keep fighting the good fight, and you know, I think if you guys try to. Definitely start small, you know, work on your community, get those landowners that may have said no in the past to come eat dinner, just come hang out, don't Mm -hmm. even push the agenda, you know, just come hang out and spend time with us and see what we're about, things will open up, I always tell the story of a permission I'm allowed to hunt, hasn't been hunted in, I think the guy said 40 some years, God told me no so many times that I almost just stopped asking because I didn't want to be annoying, Um, some circumstances happen and um i was painted in a better light 
um, then, you know, I'm, I'm tatted up and, you know, beard and earrings <laughs> right. and all this stuff. So, you know, I may not look the most presentable meeting an old, an old timer the first time, but, um, some things happened, painted me in a really good light and the guy got to know me a little bit more. And, um, I'm to the point now where he lets me take whoever I want. He's like, just right. no, no drinking, no getting crazy. Yep. Don't trash the place. Be careful. You know, your basic rules, <laughs> etiquette. Yep. Um, and, yep. uh, that's it, man. And we've had a very good relationship for a few years now. I actually called him the other week just to touch base, make sure everything was cool. He's like, yep. Um, I pick up trash for him when I'm out there if I see it, you know, because he's right near a highway, um, you know, so I let him know, you know, hey, I picked up some trash or I seen someone dump the sofa I picked up not too long ago. I told him, I was like, hey, there's a sofa there. I'm going to grab it for you. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, nah, man, I got the truck. I'm going to load it up. I'll take it to the dump. Don't even sweat it. Great guy. And um, it literally just, he said, no, I never thought he would say yeah. And <laughs> just I got I, my opportunity came and I took advantage of it and uh, here we are. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to yeah. have the opportunity, which I know I won't have the rest of my life. Um, so I, right. I definitely am humble and and take you know use it as much as I can. But um, you know I definitely would keep doing that, man. Keep reaching out to the community and and keep trying and things like this. You know we're gonna. I think education is a big part of it. Um, and then getting rid of those bad apples. Like, I'm not saying people can't Correct. get second chances because, you know, Lord knows I wasn't the best person growing up. Um, you know, I think I am the man I am today because of the, the failures and, and things I learned along the way. But, um, you know, you also have to get to the point where, you know, you got to look at the bigger picture of they want to take hunting away. They do. Right. Everyone right. in power wants to take hunting away. Um, it's just yep. way easier for them to do that. Um, probably right. the only thing keeping us holding on is that's what funds conservation. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, yeah. Money's probably Absolutely. the only thing that's keeping it going. Because I tell you what, if it was a poor man's game, I don't think we'd still be able to hunt, man. I think it'd be <laughs> right. like England where everything would be private, you know? Yep. I had a conversation with, and it, it's kind of funny you talking about that. I had a conversation with one of the game wardens one time and he was kind of new to the area and kind of, you know, was kind of talking to me about dog hunting and stuff like that. And I said, he's like, well, he's like, I don't think it would hurt the game population if you took dog hunting away, as in he didn't think the deer would become overpopulated. I said, if you take dog hunting away, see the one thing that kind of irritates me with Virginia's Department of Game and Inland is that they will not release the number of deer that are killed in front of hounds. And that's a way you check in up here is when you call your deer in, really? they ask you if you killed in front of a hound. Yeah. gated yes. information. Yep, it is, is gated. It? They will not release it. I cannot find it. I have searched ever since they started doing that stat. I have not been able to find it, and they will not release it. But they ask for it. But they asked for it. So oh, it's dude, somewhere it has to be logged. Yeah, that tells me everything I need to know. That just said they right. got information they're not ready to release until they can Ex cover all their bases. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I tell I told him, I was like, if they until they release that information that tells me otherwise, I think the amount because dog hunters we're not trophy buck hunters. I will I will come out and tell you that. We're not trophy buck hunters. If a spike runs out in front of me, I'm going to lay that sucker over. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. I do not. You cannot eat the horns. That's the Don't first worry, shirt man. that I bought I'm from Serviceide. I'm, I'm not a trophy <laughs> hunter either. I, like I mentioned in Florida, I I do let 
uh, deer walk in Florida because I, I like I mentioned, I'm, I'm blessed with just a lot of hunting opportunities across the country. And, um, you know, I enjoy taking people out here. So I almost like to like kind of like save it for them. I know I'm not saving it because it's public land, but yeah. that's the way I like to look at it is I'm almost like, but don't get me wrong. When I see something, like I mentioned, if I see something that tickles my fancy, Oh yeah. My freezer determines what tags I feel. That's like, right. That's hey, right. The state gives us five. The state gives us five buck tags for a reason. That's the way. I That's it. it. That's it. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep shooting until I feel every tag and the freezer's full. I promise you that. Yeah, we eat deer meat, man. Especially the way this store meat's going. We we try to stay as far away from store meat as we can before we get some some kind of synthetic meat or something. Going right. On. <laughs> right. <laughs> But like I told him, I said, man, the, the if you want the deer population to probably double within a five to ten year range, I said take away dog hunting. Take away dog hunting because these still hunters that are out there, I'm not saying every one. I'm not saying every, every single one of them like that. But most of the ones that I know and that I talk to are trophy hunters. If it's not 18 inches or, or more, they're not going to pull the trigger. It's going to be, okay, that one goes one more year. You know, I'm not worried about a doe. I'm not worried about shooting a doe. Oh, man, when, when doe days come in, in dog hunting world, that's like a national holiday for us. Oh, I was going to say, doe, doe are my mature bucks. I pattern doe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, looking right. For, I'm looking for doe bedding. I'm looking for, for that old nanny goat. That's what I want. That's it. I love a nanny goat, Chase. Ain't nothing like that. Dude, I tell you what, too, <laughs> that's a whole rabbit hole. But I tell you what, some of those old mature goats, man, they'll give you a run for your money, you know. I uh, I hear a doe blow quicker than I hear a buck blow. A buck like just back yeah. out there and take off and go hide somewhere. You know, I was actually talking to um, a guy a little bit ago. I did a podcast before this with uh, um, with another company, and we were talking about mature bucks. You know how many times, you know, I hunt land in Virginia, uh, not too far from you, and, um, you know, my uncle begs me, begs me every year I come up. He's like, please shoot some of these younger bucks. He's like, there's just the population. There's just too many right now. They're running everything off. They're messing mm-hmm. things up. He's like, nobody wants to shoot them because it's not cool, um, you know, whatever. So I take them, um, and I, you know, I get it all the time. Yo, man, why are you, why would you shoot that? And I'm like, well, for this particular property, they, they're, you know, they, we got them on camera. They need to be weeded out. They're not going anywhere. Um, and guess what? We've been doing that for a few years. Big bucks all over the yep. place the last couple of years. And, you know, uh, the crazy thing is a lot of these big bucks, they'll go without being killed and we'll find a deadhead. Um, yep. And that's the yep. saddest thing because I'm sitting there like, man, some of these bucks will outsmart a steel hunter, just like they'll outsmart yep. a dog hunter. I've seen hundred percent. I've, I've literally seen videos, man, where a deer laid down and the dogs ran by and then it stood oh, up and dude, that's, feeding. <laughs> I actually had I had that in my notes wrote down that that was the story I was gonna tell is I watched I, I watched three bucks getting chased at one time. They put a gap on the dogs and they laid down in a river. The only reason I know they did it is I, wa- I watched them come down the, the, the cutover bluff and go down. And they kind of disappeared, and the dogs got down there, and they just shut up. They just, I mean, they quit. And I watched them hunting all over, and they couldn't figure out anything. I was like, you know what? And I had one dog sitting in the truck. I put him on a lead, and I walked down where I saw those deer disappear. And when I got down there, all three bucks were in the creek neck high. They jumped in the creek and stayed there until the dogs went by until they knew the coast was clear and the only reason they got up was because i walked down there 
Gosh, it was it was evolved too. They they evolved they're so too. smart. They oh, they're so hey, smart. What is it? Survival of the fittest, man. It is. That's it is. I mean, fire. that's a beautiful thing too, right there. I, I've watched. It's and it's really cool to see on GPS. Most bucks. So when you're pursuing buck with dog, most bucks will run in a straight line. They know, get the hell out of dodge. If I get to this point, I know that they can't get me from here. So they run in a straight line. Does run in circles. Now I've watched big mature bucks run in circles and the reason they do it is they're looking for other deer and it sounds weird to say but i've watched them and i've seen it i've watched them run into a uh, i don't know what you call whatever you call a group of deer i've watched that buck run into a group of deer and make that other group of deer start running and he'll pawn the dogs and chasing off on those other deer and that that big buck will go hide He'll duck off the chase and they're let the dogs slick, take the man. other deer. They're, they're so slick. slick. They're it's so spi- smart. They're pushing them spikes and stuff out. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's it, crazy, I mean, it's man. You don't like, know how many times. It's just like with bow hunting. I've seen, I've seen, well, and gun hunting, really, well, we'll just say still hunting, um, sitting on the edge of a field and watching a mature buck on the wood line, and then he waits mm-hmm. until the smaller deer, the doe, come out first to feed, and right. then he steps out. Right, and we get I get accused of you know, everybody gets accused of it on in dog hunting. Man, they're running a they're running eight point, they're running a ten point. This thing is huge. We need to get everything on it. We need to get ready. Everybody get ready when it comes out in the next block. It's a spike. <laughs> they're like, you're just lying. You're trying to get everybody hyped up. I'm like, no, I swear to God, that thing was a ten point when it come by me. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's over here running behind the dogs now. He, he is. He is. They're so smart, man. They're so smart, and and I kind of. I want to make a statement too, real quick before I know we're kind of getting close on time, but I, I meant to say this earlier. Um, you know, we're talking about ethical hunting and, and this is, I'm not trying to say this to be controversial with, with still hunters, but I've heard so many still hunters say you're pursuing them with dog. You're not giving them, it's not a fair chance. It's not a fair game. And those two stories right there should tell you all you need to know that deer and in my opinion, and I, like I said, I, this is not to be a controversial statement at all, but I, I hope this is a, a, a way I'm trying to I, I, I word this to try to make this an eye opener for people that don't understand. To me, dog hunting is the most ethical way of hunting for the sheer fact of that deer has a chance. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with still hunting, baiting, whatever you, whatever kind of form you do. That does not bother me in the slightest bit. I'm not saying it's unethical at all. But as far as giving the deer a chance to escape, a chance to live, a chance to go further for another day, to me, dog hunting is the most ethical way to do it because you give that deer a chance to escape. Dogs are not perfect. They make mistakes. They lose tracks. The deer get out in front of them far enough. The scent dies off. They lose it. Those deer always have a chance to survive when it comes to dog hunting. And that's just, I feel like that's a statement I needed to make when doing this is that maybe that's a, maybe that's an eye changer or a, or a, or a, or a thought process changer. And that's kind of the way most of us look at it is we're giving that deer a chance when it's being pursued by dogs. We're giving that deer a chance to, to live another day. It's not a, he got shot trying to come, trying to come eat or trying to get him a little, little, little piece of booty. 
you know, he's, yeah. he, he had a chance, you know, and I, I, I feel like that's, that's something I try to always promote when it comes to people that don't, don't understand the dog hunting world. It's like, we're, we're giving these deer a chance. Yeah. They're getting pursued. Yeah. Maybe they have 10, you know, 10 dogs behind, behind them getting chased, but those deer are so smart. And like you said, they evolve, they have a chance. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about deer dog hunting that that you can ever ask for. I mean, that's definitely a good way to look at it. I've, I've never heard it in that light, and, and I definitely get it. I mean, what I was going to say before you even went down that route was, which it went down a different way than I thought it was going to go down, but um, <laughs> which I, I like that. No, that's a good way to look at it. But, you know, where do we draw the line? Is is baiting unethical? Is you know, Right. I've always heard, like, deer hunting's unethical enough. To me, I don't think baiting's unethical at all. I think, like you said, I do feel like there's levels, uh, but – you know, at the end of the day, like, you don't, you're not putting a gun to the deer's head and saying, get out of your bedding area and go to this food. It's the only food in right. the area. There's so yeah. much food out there. I was just in a WMA and I felt like I was walking on marbles. There was so many acorns and walnuts and, and, and oh, y'all are lucky then. And, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a, well, I mean, dude, our our acorn the, population up here sucks well, right now. I trying to take the good with the bad because too much food is you can't narrow it down. It's freaking right. everywhere. So <laughs> right. With steel hunting, uh, a lot of food is like it's bittersweet. It's good and it's bad. It's good, but I marked. I walked. Uh, I canoed in five miles. I walked two, so two, and then two back, and I marked six different locations of big drops. Um, within that two mile period. Um, so wow. that was, I was sitting there like, okay, well, I guess I'll maybe sit here first and then maybe go to this one the next day. It's only a four day quota permit. So you gotta, you gotta mm. have your plans in order. You can't go in there, the seat of your pants, hoping to get something. I mean, if you just want to have fun, you can, but if you want to get something, you gotta, you gotta try. Um, now see, that's, that, that's something I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to this podcast is, how much work a lot of still hunters put into, you know, I've never understood it. I never understood how much work for the whole year that it takes to, to have a good season for still hunting. Like I never understood it. Like a lot of our guys that still hunt around here, they just have horseshoes. So, so, so far up their butts that they can go out and sit in a stand that they put up 10 years ago and it, and it works every year. Yeah. They're just that kind of people, but it's so cool to listen to, and it, it really changed my respect on the still hunting community as far as how much work truly goes into having a good season. It, it really is kind of a beautiful thing oh, to man, listen it's, to. It's, uh, I mean, same. It goes both ways. I, you know, I, I didn't, like I said, I wasn't uh, pro or con with it. I was always felt neutral. But, um, you know, I was just thinking when you had mentioned like what 15 dogs or whatever that were deer hunting, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I had a dog one time and its vet bills were insane. Like, and I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, oh, crazy stuff, you know, it's itching too much. Yeah. Maybe it's got a, uh, yeast in its feet or maybe the food, yep. the food's giving it an allergic reaction. You know how foods are nowadays, like with right. dogs, like yep. you'll make them itch themselves to death. Um, you know, and, and I don't want my dog chewing on itself all the time. That's not healthy. Right. Um, so, right. you know, definitely eye opening, but there's, there is a lot of work on, on all ends. I feel like <clears throat> I talk to a lot of different hunters, you know, we have a lot of different hunters in service side, everything. And I, I try my best, you know, we try our best here at service side to let everyone know, like everyone's form of hunting 
um, is respected here. And it all requires work. I honestly can't name one style of hunting that I would consider easy. You know, upwinds are working birds. I just got into duck hunting. That's a ton of work. I My arms were so sore <clears throat> from putting hundreds of decoys out on big spreads, <laughs> having to get to a right. spot hours early to put out decoys, having to switch them up if it's too windy, having to change positions because the wind changes directions and the birds are going to come in. You know, same with turkey. Um, you know, when I got big into turkey hunting, you know, you get some gimmies or some laydowns once in a while. You shoot some nice stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm an expert. And then you really get humbled, um, and you have to start working for it. And I, I feel like every type of hunting, even long-range shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I recently started talking to some people about long-range shooting. Um, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know, you got a really good scope, a really good gun. You should have no issue. <laughs> Gosh, there is so much to it. <laughs> right. I was like, I almost feel like, and uh, the bow hunters are going to shoot me for this one, but I, a couple conversations I had with some, some experts in that field where I was like, this almost seems more, um, uh, I don't really know the word. It's, it seems like it just requires a little bit more than, than what I thought bow hunting does. Right. I, I like bow hunting, um, but I was just like the, the different – just all the different things that come into it, but I've never, I'm yet to find one style of hunting that I'd be like, oh yeah, that's easy. Um, you know, even, even as far as dove, you know, the first time I heard about dove hunting, they're like, yeah, you sit on a bucket in a, in a field under a power line. And, <laughs> right. but then also, okay, yeah, they may be shooting fish in the barrel at the beginning, but what are you doing mid season? What are you doing at the end of season when they've seen every mm-hmm. setup or, you know, yep. they're gun shy or whatever, you know, you shoot once and, you know, you got to call your hunt after an hour because, you know, nothing's coming through. So, um, right. I, I like seeing different perspectives. You ever want to come down here, man? Um, I told you about Mike. Um, he comes down here dog hunting in Florida, but, um, I definitely know the people, man, we get you set up. I got a WMA right near my house. Um, I know the guy that hunts the WMA at the bottom of me. I'm sure if we talked it out, he'd be more than happy to set something up and throw you all into their strategy. Um, the yeah. way they do things, they have different strategies the way they do it. I don't think it's similar to what you guys do. I'll have to get him on a podcast to kind of um, compare and contrast. I think theirs is more um, they run it from one road to the next kind of thing. But I could be completely wrong on that. Um, that's just the way the layouts are. So right, I right, right. get him on and, and really get that perspective because I honestly don't know a ton about it. I just know that he's like you. He loves his dogs and, you yep. know, he's going to a store and coming back with something for his dog. <laughs> oh, know? man, dude, it's it's insane. It really is. There's so much money spent into it. I mean, now you were kind of talking earlier, too, about the, you know, the um about, about different forms. Now, I dog hunting too and I, I don't mean to like kind of ramble on here but like dog hunting too I'm, don't get it confused you do not have to own dogs to dog hunt probably in our club like i said there's probably 30 to 35 maybe 40 at most guys that are just avid deer dog hunters i would say less than 20 of them actually own their own dogs wow it's it is such a group effort. You know, I, I always call the guys with dogs the quarterbacks because they're the ones that are saying, hey, I'm going to go over here and do this. But you got all you guys that don't, that they're just there because they love the chase. They love the sound of the hound. They love that music going through the woods. And it really is such a beautiful thing to listen to. And they just enjoy it, but they don't have the time. 
And I can respect that because I would rather you not own dogs and come run under my dogs and come listen to my dogs and shoot, shoot deer in front of my dogs. Then you have three dogs that you don't have the time for. And you leave them in a lot all season. Yeah, all all season. Sure. I, you know, and that's a huge reason why, you know, I, I want to go out with some people uh, eventually, especially down here since it's so big and, and just kind of get immersed in it. And, you know, especially with it being, you know, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to call it a dying tradition, but you know what, with so much turmoil and, and, and negativity mm-hmm. towards it, I, it's definitely something that I want to experience too, um, and help in any way I can. But, you know, I personally, I don't want to have a whole, a whole bunch of dogs. I don't have the time to run dogs. I, you know, I work 70 hours a week. I, I, I barely get time to clean my house. You know, I'm not going to be able to give right. a, a dog the attention that it, it deserves. And I'm not going to be able to right. treat it like the athlete it is. Um, and I'm yes. very aware of that, but I tell you what, I'd like to go tag along and, and offer, you know, I'll bring a bag of dog food or, or something oh shoot no uh, <laughs> no it, and when you come up here for for holiday man then you just hit me up and we'll, we'll I'll, i will promise you i got a crew cab if i got two other people i always i always got room man <laughs> nice. i always got room i'll be glad to take in anybody listening if anybody is close to the virginia area feel free to hit me up i'm in central virginia feel free to hit me up i will glad you gladly take you any day of the year any day of the season excuse me in the season, I will gladly show you. If you're cool with it, I'll I'll definitely add that to the show notes. I'll add your Facebook and Instagram to the to the show yeah, notes. Yeah, so absolutely. People can reach out to you, but um, you know, it looks and like... I do have a hunt league set up too, man. Oh, I do I've got the hunt that. league set up. Yeah, yep, I got the hunt league set up on the 9th of December, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm gonna get definitely get some posts out on that and and see if there's some people that'll be interested. I know there was a, a few different dog hunters I thought had had chimed in and said they weren't too mm-hmm. far away so we'll, we'll we'll work out something but um we're on about an hour and a half so we'll we'll clip this one uh, but we're definitely going to get you on especially once we get into season um but i definitely appreciate you jumping on man this was super insightful and, and hopefully it spreads just a little more awareness and education if, if y'all have any questions um it sounds like james is an open book here he'd be more than happy to to help you um uh, or, or, you know, tag along, see what you think you yeah. know, at the end of the day, don't take our word for it. Go experience it for yourself. You know, that's the Absolutely. beauty of service side and everything service side's about. Like you don't have to listen to me ramble on. You don't have to listen to what, what James perspective is. You can go experience it for yourself. Do the hunt link. It doesn't cost you anything, but to get there and whatever you're willing to help out with, um, uh, very casual settings. Uh, hunt links are very, um, just chill, relaxing, getting with other members and um, ex- getting to experience hunting and experiencing different types of hunting. You might not like it. You might go out there and be like, ah, oh, it's too much movement for me. I'd rather go take my nap <laughs> in the stand. But you know what? You're not going to know if you don't go try. And I have was raised, um, you know, I didn't grow up the best, but I did take something that always sticks with me growing up um was you can't talk crap on something if you have never experienced it i'm not saying go out there and talk crap but (laughs) you gotta experience stuff don't go off of what a facebook said or some moron posted one time or whatever bad apple um you know if if all hunters were you know we all see it if we all were treated how other people portray hunting then you know none of us would look good 
Um, so it wouldn't be hunting at all. It, it really wouldn't. And, you know, what is hunting about? Hunting's about tradition. It's about culture. It's about community. Somehow that's gotten lost. Um, you know, but it's okay. We're bringing it back. We're proactive. We're not negative about it. We're bringing it back. Community, culture, you know, networking, um, and, and just you know, enjoying what we all love. And it doesn't mean you have to have to love that particular sport. But I do feel like everybody should get mutual respect um, until they prove you otherwise. You know. I agree. I agree hundred percent. That's one of the best things I found about service side. And that's, that's why I wrote that big blog and just the, the open welcome feeling from, from this place and just everybody's acceptance of dog hunting. And, you know, I, I post a lot and I'm like trying to just bring that awareness. And that's why I can't thank y'all enough for having me on is I'm such an advocate for this sport. It's so nice to find somewhere that's not, well, you're a dog hunter. You're you're not a real hunter. You're, oh, you, all you do is sit in the truck and drink beer all day. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that kind of crap. But it's it's been such a welcome feeling. I can't thank everybody enough for that. You know what's crazy is I, that was one of the stigmas I always heard was a sitting in a truck. Every dog hunter I've ever been with, they don't have time to sit and drink a beer. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> at the end, absolutely at not. The end, you might see some people at a tailgate, but uh, that's usually yep. because there's blood on the tailgate from the deer, uh, or yep. they just got stumped and it was a crap day and. It's time for a yep. beer <laughs> yep if the weather don't cooperate or it's just a bad it's a dry bad day then the, yeah absolutely i promise you i got i got beer on ice in the cooler and it, it will be drank but it's, it's funny <laughs> how, though it's funny how like and you know I'm, you know just picking fun I'm, I'm not you know i've been known to do it myself but it's funny how like that could be looked down upon or that stigma could be there but like getting crap drunk the night before at a hunt camp and then going out possibly still intoxicated the next morning you know is it like frowned upon as much as running a a dog that's that's happened for hundreds of years i'm probably gonna get a ton of backlash but that's just the life i live i don't really care i i'm about hunting i look at the bigger picture of hunting um right and i just uh you know, I don't get into the fads or what people think is the hardest or you got to do yeah. this or, you know. I you got to do what you enjoy. I do what I enjoy. I tell you what, man, I don't care if I've got a two seventy rifle in my hand. I got a bow. I don't care if I got a crossbow. I don't care if I'm trapping, whatever, fishing, bait fishing, artificial fishing. I get the same enjoyment every time I'm successful and the weapon is never once considered like been a consideration at least for me so um you know that just shows me that i have a huge passion for it and the great thing about our passion is we don't need you know we want to bring awareness but we don't need to prove ourselves anymore you just got to keep doing what you do and your light will shine man like it's going to reflect if you're doing the right thing and you're putting out good positive content you're showcasing good hunts i know you got a podcast rolling we need to put that in the show notes too um yes sir you know that kind of stuff you're you're being the change you want to see you're not just all oh, these people are stuck in their ways it's never going to change so i'm just going to do what i want you know i hear that all the time and i'm like well that's that's kind of a bad attitude right to have, you know right <laughs> right yep yep we get that a lot with the club too man a lot of these younger younger guys have that attitude of you know, we have some members that don't participate, and, and I don't care what organization, what club, what whatever. It could be the you know, Hope for Humanity, whatever, whatever kind of organization it is. There are going to be members that don't participate, and one of my biggest pet peeves is 
oh, they don't do it, so I don't do it. And it's kind of like you just said, like, oh, they, they don't abide by the ethical form, so why do I need to? No, if that's how everybody's mentality is, then we're going to lose everything we that we're standing for. We will. We'll lose it all. We, you know what? And the great thing, the crazy thing about it is they'll take it right from you while you're sleeping. Like, yep. you'll wake up one day and it'll be gone. It ain't no voting. Pro- you th- if you think that stuff matters, it doesn't. The, what matters is numbers. And, and honestly, driving money. So the more people that support yep. you and the more people that are willing to um, support it. And when I say money, I'm not talking about dropping like donations. So I'm talking about um, getting your licenses, being ethical, um, turning mm-hmm. things in when you're supposed to, um, just following the law, um, you know, and then all the other money that comes from hunting, such as, you know, leases. You know, think about all the companies. You know, you guys are, are paying yep. for leases. It's just this huge a lot of money involved with it, and um, you know, at the end of the day, if we're all doing the right thing and that's happening, it's just going to continue to do great. But you get people yep. that gets. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm. I, I don't. I don't mess with people too much. I'll be like, okay, well, let me educate you on it. Okay, you don't care. All right, cool. Well, you know, man, you're, you're good only, talk. Yeah, <laughs> right. good talk, man. Have a good one. And I, if you ever change your mind, hit me up. And you know what? Believe it or not, I've had a lot of people come around and be like, you know what? Yeah. Let, let me hear more about it. Or I'd like to understand more about this. And I'm like, sure. Um, let me yep. help you or point you in the right direction. Because obviously I'm not an right. expert on everything. I'm just a normal person. Um, but right. you know, I can definitely point you in the right direction. And, you know, I, I don't judge, man. I don't judge until I get a reason to judge. And it's all situational. I've seen steel hunters that do bad things. I've seen steel hunters that do great things. And I'm sure it, I've personally never yep. experienced anything with dog hunting. You know, other than what I've heard, but, um, you know, we, we hear things about everyone, <laughs> you know, yep. people yep, can't even right. post a spike on, on, online nowadays without someone. Oh yeah. Them in half. I, you know, I had a 13 year old kid. I, I know we need to wrap this up, but I had a 13 year old kid <laughs> commenting on our company page not too long ago. Um, I don't know who he is or anything like that, so I'm, hopefully it's legal for me to talk about this. this is right. minor, but, um, didn't even know. I have to clip this. this one later. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to edit this out. Um, but I, I actually didn't even know this, but he was just bad mouth, and there was a couple pictures we had put on at a hunt camp. Um, just some okay bucks, you know. There were like some some rack, uh, mm-hmm. basket racks, six eight pointers, things like that. Nothing crazy, um, but also nothing like too small and. Um, good, good middle. So I'd say two year old deer if I had to classify it. And right, um, right. You know, it was a good hunt camp. It was. I remember it was a great weekend for those guys. They they all enjoyed themselves. Everyone got some nice bucks. Um, um, really good weekend. Well, I think they even got a bear that weekend too. Actually, I think they got a bear and and some bucks. But the guy, the sounds like a good weekend to me. It was man. It was great, great, great time. You know. Uh, uh, all ages, you know, young kids, uh, old heads, everything there. Well, the kid or whatever was commenting on it and <coughs> was doing the whole, you've, you've seen it, you know, don't shoot mm-hmm. those or two year olds. They go through their whole spiel of why not shoot it, whatever. Um, and I just commented on, I'm like, Hey, you know, this, this is a place for hunters. Um, everyone's welcome here. And as long as it's legal and ethical, everyone's welcome yep. here. Um, and tasteful. I should probably throw that in. Um, you know, in, you know, we don't want to see no, uh, deer with an arrow in its head. Um, right, so, right, so right. Things like that. But, um, 
he literally was like going through this whole rant, and then he said, "I'm 13 years old. Even I know that." And I, I just, mm-hmm. I delete and block. I'm not going to argue yep. with you on Facebook. I don't know who yep. you are. Um, don't need it. Right. We, hey, yep. people who want to be here are going to be here. I'm not here to to put your arm behind your back or put a gun to your head. Yep. But um, it just it 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 really. I was I wasn't upset about the conversation. I was upset about the conversation and the fact of. Man, like this kid's already, already been yep. brainwashed to think I need to trash someone that doesn't hunt how I hunt or my area, right. what's good for my area. <laughs> I have no context of that hunt. I know nothing about exactly. those Exactly. I don't know if that's that guy's first deer. I don't know if that right. guy's went 10 years without killing a buck. I know nothing. Yep. You don't know <laughs> the situation. All I know is that there's deer in this picture that aren't to my personal standards at the age of 13. So let's just say he's been hunting since he's 9 or 10. <coughs> Even if that long, he's still only been hunting 3 or 4 years. Okay. Right. The hunter that I was 3 or 4 years in is not the same hunter I am now. I've completely changed, completely evolved, completely look at things different. But it made me sad more than anything, not even mad. Mm-hmm. I just was like, man... I get it. If that's what works for your area, I get it. But why right. do you have to trash talk someone yep. that you don't yep. even know? I had... You don't even know what state they're in. I probably should exactly. Right. I had a um, the, the, my, my my grandpa had passed a couple of years ago, and he handed me down his three hundred eight. And the next hunting season. I had, we were out running dogs and we had one step out and I was in, in, in rifle range and I had one step out and I was able to shoot it and it was a buck. It was a little scrubby, like six pointer. I mean, this thing, I won't even enough to go home and brag nobody about, but it was the first buck I got to kill with my grandpa's gun after he passed away. So I was very, very proud of that. And I posted on Facebook. And I had a guy message me. He was one of those local big time. Oh, if it's not twenty seven thousand inches, doesn't yeah, score two hundred and twenty points. Everything, yeah, right. Which, yeah, he's like, man, why did you kill that? That that thing was set up to be a really nice buck in about two years. I was like, it's the first deer I got to pull the trigger on with my grandpa's gun. He goes, I am so sorry. Hmm. He's like, I am so sorry. I'm like, yeah. I said, don't jump to conclusions, man. You you never know the story. You hey, never well, know, you know why what? somebody killed that deer. I like that he backed out like backtracked though instead right. of just saying well who cares screw you man like i do right. like that he backtracks so i guess that's one positive you can take from it. but no i get it I mean you don't you do not know that perspective and, and really it doesn't it doesn't matter the reason right at the end of the day it right. really doesn't but you still don't know the reason and, and um you know it's it's not your bit we had uh the bearded outdoors on his uh wife had taken a doe with a bow mm-hmm. her first deer with a bow um, great shot. Took, took a great shot. Good kill shot. Um, so the the context behind it was I asked him how he got so many followers on YouTube. He's got a huge following on YouTube. Doesn't have a ton of right. videos out. And I'm like, how? He goes, what well, actually came from that one video because he got it all on video, posted it, whatever. I think we can bait here in Ford. I'm pretty sure she shot it over bait. Um, but he, uh, he, he, he did all that and, um, great experience. You know, he's posted and excited for his wife. Wife just took her a deer 
with a bow. She don't even hunt. She didn't even come from a hunting family. Didn't even know what hunting was. They were married for, I think, a little bit before she even knew he really hunted. Because, he, you know, he kind of got out of it for a little bit and then got back into it. And what's so freaking crazy, man, he got all those comments from negative people. It actually blew his YouTube thing up uh, because of all the negative things that people were saying <laughs> about the small doe. Not one person said, well, like I said, it's not their business, but not one person even tried to say like, whoa, was that a first deer? Or maybe start the conversation that way. Like if I see a really small buck or a small deer, I'll say some, sometimes like that, oh, that was with a bow and just kind of like keep it open-ended to drum up a, right. a positive conversation as opposed right. to a negative. Um, right. Um, but yeah, so... Um, but yeah, it was crazy, man. He ended up blowing it up because of of that. And I was like, that is so insane that so many people <laughs> are willing to hate on her. And in my yep. eyes, taking a deer with a bow that close, what whatever the context is behind it, and you're not even you didn't even hunt your whole life. Like to me, that's like an award. Type that's incredible. Thing. Like and 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 anyone that hunts, uh would would feel that way too and i'm just like how could you be down here because yep. like let's say she was to take that personally and be like right well, let's say she, and not quit everyone, hunting yeah not everyone's like us where they just like laugh and, and right roll, roll right. it off and it, it is really it amuses me but um not everyone's like that some people might actually get out of it because of that yeah um, and, yeah it's a scary thought too there's a hunting license gone there's less money which makes hunting less yep. attractive it's a snowball effect man people don't see the bigger yep. picture Nope, nope. We live in too much of a, uh, a instantaneous negative world to worry about a bigger picture and a positive outlook on things. For sure. But man, we'll we'll clip this out. I really appreciate you jumping on. Real quick, um, I'm gonna put your socials up on the um, on the show notes here, so people can just click and and, and reach out to you. But what, uh, where can they listen to your podcast at? So you can listen to it on any. Uh, platform Spotify is where I really uh, where most of our stuff comes from. Um, it's the Hounds Tales podcast, um, and I'll send you all this stuff. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. And I just dropped the website. It's a GoDaddy website. I'm doing a a free domain right now uh, for right now. So it's the it's the Hounds Tales podcast dot GoDaddy dot com. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I uh, just dropped it like a couple days ago, so I'm still kind of trying to remember the the whole domain name. But I have it linked on my Facebook page. You can find us on TikTok also. I have the Hounds Tales uh, podcast on TikTok. Um, it's a lot of my personal stuff on there, but um, all that stuff has a lot of our uh, links and uh, ways to get to the podcast and listen. Um, and I also am starting a, a personal blog on that uh, Hounds Tales website too, so y'all go check it out i appreciate uh appreciate any kind of views we can get for sure man i definitely appreciate you jumping on and if anyone has any questions uh, maybe you don't want to reach out to james you can always reach out to to us too um it's info at serviceside.com or you can hit up justin at serviceside.com uh, we'd be more than happy to 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 push it that way if you did want to be anonymous or or anything like that um but you know definitely feel free to reach out to james too but um, James, thanks again, man. I appreciate you taking the time to, to do this one. I know it was long winded, but you know, you can't, can't really put a time limit on passion sometimes. So it's all That's right. It. <laughs> That's it. And I appreciate y'all having me, man. It, re it really means a lot. It really does. 
when you guys are listening to White Tail Theories, uh, I'm sorry, you guys are listening to Hunt Link. But our we used to be White Tail Theories podcast. Now we're Hunt Link <laughs> Fat Service side. But um, we'll see y'all in the next one.